0: I'm Andy Malinsky, and you're listening to Leadership Biz Café.
1: Hi everyone, this is Tanvir Nasir, and on today's episode of Leadership Biz Café, I'll be talking with Andy Malinsky. Andy is a professor at Brandeis University's International Business School, with a joint appointment in the Department of Psychology. His research and writings have been featured in the Harvard Business Review, Inc. Magazine, Psychology Today, NPR, and the New York Times. Andy is also the author of two books, including his latest, Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence which will be the focus of our discussion today. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: So, Andy, the focus of your book is on how we can learn to effectively move outside our comfort zone, to stretch ourselves and our competency so we can achieve new successes and become more the kind of person we need or want to be. But before we dive into some of the insights you share about how we can go about starting that process of learning to move outside the familiar and safe, I want to first give our listeners the right perspective about what it really takes to do this. And as you point out in your book, there certainly is a lot of motivational quotes and posters that inspire us to take that leap and dive headfirst into that unknown. But in many cases, while these ideas and quotes might sound great, they can be misleading. In fact, through your work, you identify that there are what you call five key myths and realities when it comes to moving outside our comfort zone? Probably the most well-known being the one I just mentioned of simply taking a leap. But what are the other four myths we need to debunk and their associated realities we need to understand if we are to be successful in moving outside our comfort zone?
0: Sure. And I and I do want to say that taking a leap is important. I think it's just not as easy it is as it's portrayed on the internet in terms of memes. Like for example, you know, a few people I think say, you know, gosh, I'm terrified of public speaking, but I'm going to take that leap. I'm terrified of, you know, going into a networking event, but I'm just going to take that leap. I mean, I think there's a lot behind the leap, and I think that's what's misleading. But just so that that's the first myth. Yeah. So the second myth is um is that the magic only happens outside your comfort zone. And if you Google Uh, comfort zones. It's it's actually quite an interesting exercise to Google comfort zones. (laughs) You find a lot about sort of like the conventional wisdom out there. Um, And the conventional wisdom is definitely that the magic only happens outside your comfort zone, like, you know, that you'll find like, you know, nothing good ever grows inside your comfort zone. Life only begins outside your comfort zone. I mean, comfort zones zones get a majorly bad rap, you know, on on, on Google image search. And, and, you know, I, I mean, my my take on this is that is that in in a way, the magic can happen both inside and outside your comfort zone. You're not going to I mean, I, I don't think it's always like I don't want people to come away from reading my book or from listening to this podcast thinking, gosh, I, I really have to step outside my comfort zone constantly and in every situation I encounter you know, I mean, sometimes you don't have it in you. Sometimes you're too exhausted. Sometimes it's not the right time in your life. I remember for me, for for example, I was I I always wanted to do more, you know, um, so I'm a professor Um, and I always wanted to do more consulting and more general writing and working in companies and so on. But, you know, early on in my career, when I was struggling to get tenure and frankly, when I had like uh, a newborn, it was, you know, I don't think that was the time for me to step outside my comfort zone at that point i think i needed to stay right in it so i i think what i'd say is that it's almost like um you know we have we have portfolios of stocks and bonds in our 401k's or whatever your equivalent is and i think we also have portfolios in our lives of situations that we encounter and you know it's some some situations in that portfolio might be you know outside your comfort zone that you want to tackle some might be sort of on the you know on the waiting deck that you might tackle but are a little bit too difficult right now and then others you might want to stay right in your comfort zone so that that's kind of my point about the second one um does that make sense yep that makes perfect sense um so yeah the third myth is (laughs) this is a big one and it's that i'm the only one who struggles with situations outside my comfort zone because i think that i mean i think that um people often are uncomfortable talking about um about their limitations and vulnerabilities and therefore You might live with the reality or at least your version of the reality that you're the only one who's really afraid to be more assertive, to speak up, to deliver bad news, to public speak, to, you know, I don't know, to do whatever it is that's outside your comfort zone. But the reality, and I really wanted to make this point in my book through multiple stories from multiple professions, from even famous people. That 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 nearly everyone struggles with situations outside their comfort zone. So you're not alone. It, it it I was trying to basically normalize the issue in a way. So that that that's that that's what myth number three is about. Um, myth number four is 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 that uh, getting outside your comfort zone is just about sucking it up. And I, I cannot tell you how many times I heard that expression when I was doing interviews for this book. And I have to say it was mostly from men. You know, you you just got to suck it up, you just got to suck it up, you know, like I heard it time and time again, but, you know, and and I don't think, I think sucking it up is sort of the idea of like um, um, either suppressing worries, fears, anxieties that you have and taking action despite that, or maybe it has to do with courage, which is the ability to take action despite the fear that you might be experiencing, and those are not bad things. But I think that there's a lot more to it, and if you can apply some of the strategies that I talk about in the book, and these strategies are essentially generated from my um, from my research and from stories that I heard of successful people, sucking it up, it becomes less important to have to suck it up in the first place. <laughs> so that's that's sort of myth number uh, four, and then finally, myth number five is is that with enough inspiration, anyone can stretch outside their comfort zone. And you know, I feel like I don't it it's a, it's quite a you know inspiring message actually with enough inspiration anyone can stretch outside their comfort zone but the problem is is that that statement is 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 incomplete um because it's not just about inspiration um it it it's about effort it's about persistence it's about strategy it's about a keen understanding of the challenges there's a lot more to it than simply inspiration and i think if you looked merely at the memes on the internet it would just be about inspiration but i think there's more there's more to it So that's that's kind of that's how I end the book. But you're right; it's 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 also a good way to start the book. In fact, this is how I start a lot of the keynotes that I that I that I do. I I sort of talk about what the conventional wisdom is, and then I start to question it, and that leads me into my talk.
1: Well, well, thanks, Andy, for elaborating on these myths many of us might have about what it takes to move beyond a comfort zone. Because I think this is an important hurdle that many of us need to get over if we're to truly tap into the benefits of the strategies you share in your book towards making a behavioral change. And speaking of benefits, now that we've discussed the myths behind moving beyond our comfort zone and taking that leap, which, as you mentioned, is something that, in the proper context, something we can positively consider, Uh, Perhaps we should also mention here that there are some unexpected benefits we gain from moving outside our comfort zone besides the ones we use to motivate us to make this behavioral shift in the first place. So what, Andy, are some of the unexpected discoveries or epiphanies people have when they start making this behavioral shift in moving outside the safe and familiar confines of their comfort zone?
0: Yeah, and this is actually really important because this is why taking a leap is so important. All the strategies that I talk about in the book are essentially geared to nudging you to take that leap because when you're able to move from a place of avoidance to a place of approaching or even trying something – what I found, and I found this time and time again in people's stories and examples, and and I should say that not only did I listen to many, many stories of people stepping outside their comfort zones, but I also have done a lot of teaching and training and coaching with people, so i have followed the process going forward as well, and and then, of course, I've reflected on my own experiences, and there are two key epiphanies that people often have, not always, but often, and the, the number one epiphany is is essentially this isn't as hard as I thought it was. <laughs> you know, that's 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 really important if you think about it. And then the second one is sort of related. It's I, I'm a little bit better at this than I thought I was. And what's so powerful about that is that th- that's learning. That's in fact that's learning about you, about yourself, about your resilience, about your capabilities. And that learning can only happen um, when you've actually taken a leap right? If you haven't taken the leap, you're never going to learn those things. And those things are very important because what they do is they can kick in a positive spiral where instead of avoiding, you start approaching. If you start to realize that something is a little less hard than you thought it was and you're a little bit more capable, you probably might try it again, which can sort of generate a, a positive spiral. So that's why taking a leap is so important. Um, and those are the discoveries that I found. Now, Andy, before
1: we get into the approach you share in your book about how we can successfully learn to move outside our comfort zone, I do have one last question based on an observation I had while reading your book. Throughout your book, you share stories of individuals who struggled with how to address a particular situation, whether it was dealing with a difficult employee or coworker, gaining the confidence to speak in front of a large group or in a team meeting, or adapting to the changes in how an organization goes about achieving its long-term goals. In almost all of the stories you share, including your own personal examples, it was evident that the people facing these challenges were what many of us would call introverts. So I'm just wondering, based on your research and work in this area, Andy, is the challenge of learning to shift our behaviors to move beyond our comfort zone something that's more challenging for introverted individuals as compared to extroverts? Or is the challenge different between these two personality types in terms of how they have to navigate moving from outside their comfort zones?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and you're right. I think a lot of um, a lot of the situations do have to do with introversion, not all of them though like um like I know extroverts who struggle with selling uh, for, for example, or selling themselves even. So like introversion and extroversion, um, doesn't like, like some people confuse it with shyness or, you know, uh, tendency to feel embarrassment and so on. And, you know, it really has to do with where we get our energy from in in a lot of ways. And so I think that there are certain situations that I talk about in the book where you would imagine that introverts and extroverts would have a difference, but, Situations like delivering bad news, for example, I studied for years um, the challenge along with a colleague of mine from Harvard Business School, the challenges of delivering bad news in corporate settings, in medical settings, um, even in um, police work. Uh, we, we studied, uh, officers, um, evicting families from their homes. And I don't think that, you know, I didn't, I didn't sort of do a systematic personality analysis of people. And in fact, in, in a lot of the interviews I did, you could only really infer whether they were extroverted or introverted from, you know, their words and their narrative. I didn't ta- have them take a personality test as part of the research. But, you know, I think that there are plenty of situations, you're right, that, that are, that are, that are where introverts are particularly prone, um, to, to these challenges. Um, especially since the American, North American workplace, I think, for better, for worse, and maybe for worse, is sort of tilted or geared towards extroverts. Um, But there are plenty of other situations where I I don't think it's purely an introvert, extrovert issue. But I think you're right. Um, There are plenty of situations. And and I know that the book and the ideas have resonated with, with a lot of people who are introverted, actually. You
1: know, that's a great explanation, Andy, regarding our energy levels as opposed to personality traits. And I appreciate the clarification. And honestly, I think that's going to be very instructive for those among our listeners who may see themselves as leaning towards being an extrovert for how they can better navigate these waters of behavioral change and moving outside their comfort zone. And speaking of which, I think this is now the perfect opportunity for us to now dive into the real meat of your book, one where we go beyond simply being inspired or motivated to move outside our comfort zone and discover how do we actually achieve this? And for those amongst us who've tried to move outside our comfort zone in regards whether we succeeded or failed in that endeavor, one thing we all know is that there are a lot of hurdles that we need to overcome at the start. And in your book, you've identified five distinct challenges we might face. And to be clear here, it's not necessarily the case that we'll have to overcome each of these five challenges. But I was wondering if you could start by first briefly describing these five challenges, and then based on your work, which ones do you find people struggle with the most?
0: Yeah, no, that that's that's great. Um so yeah, it's exactly what you said. There they're five I felt I found that it boiled down to these five, and that that you might experience one in a, in a particular situation, another one in another situation, a combination in a third situation. Um, the first is authenticity, the idea that th- this is not me. Now, remember, we're we're stepping outside our comfort zones here. We're we're experimenting in some ways with behavior that is not sort of core to our typical repertoire, and so you can feel very inauthentic. You know, you can feel like an imposter. Um, you can feel that that this is just not you and there's so many examples in the book of this um you know, you might feel like an imposter of standing up or, or inauthentic, standing up in front of a meeting and expressing disagreement. Or I spoke with a lot of young entrepreneurs, uh, who had to, who felt that they, they felt incredibly inauthentic, um, putting, putting on their grown up voice pitching to venture capitalists. Um, you know, there are plenty of examples where you feel inauthentic. This is not me. A second one is competence, which is different from authenticity. It's not, it's not that this is not me and this doesn't feel authentic. It's that I'm not good at this. And, in And there's a private side to that. I don't feel good at this. And then there's a public side of it. I can sense or I know that other people can see me as not good at this. I'm afraid I'll look like a fool giving a public speech, for example. And people can tell. So that's competence. A third is likability. And uh, this is the worry or the fear or the anticipated worry or fear that people won't like or respect this version of me. If I act assertively, if I tell this person off, if I really state my needs in an assertive way, they're going to hate me. That That's the fear, you know, not necessarily the reality, but the anticipated fear. So you've got authenticity, competence, and likability. The fourth is resentment. Um, you know, f- frustrated that you have to step outside your comfort zone in the first place. And I think this actually connects to your to your comment uh, before about introversion. I've heard a lot of introverts talk about this one resentment. So, for example, you know, why why do I have to make chit chat and small talk? about the game last night or the hockey game or the basketball game or the TV show or whatever it was and why is that so important for me to be able to be put on a project or to win my boss's trust as opposed to the actual quality of my work, right? Now that's that's an example where someone who's maybe introverted um, and who who potentially struggles making small talk with someone they don't know so well or an authority figure might really feel resentment about the comfort zones and having to step outside of it. And then the last one is is, is morality. Um, you know, I opened my book actually with a story of a young woman who ended up having to fire her best friend from her startup. Um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes people feel that stepping outside their comfort zone is against their ethics or morals. Um, and so I have some examples in the book about this. Um, and, you know, it's not as maybe not the most common fear, but it certainly is there. In terms of your uh, question about what, what's most common, There's no question in my mind. Uh, and I've, I've, I've done, um, I've started this year to do corporate workshops, which are super interesting. I love to do them. Um, coming into companies and teaching this stuff to people. And it really works well with new hires, with high potentials and so on. And as part of the exercise, we actually chart which, which, which of these challenges is most pronounced. And I have to tell you, every single time I go into a company, it is the, it is the top three. It is authenticity, competence, and likability, that triad that pops up. The
1: one of the things I really like about how you define these five challenges is that it articulates for us and it frames for us those very feelings and perceptions we have when we're considering or making those first steps of moving outside our comfort zone where we're trying to process what it is exactly we're going through. And having these descriptors and having these explanations, I think, is really powerful because it helps us better navigate what we're going through and put a better context on it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It, 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 I, I think that language is powerful um, to to make sense of something, too. I think that's one of the ahas people have just simply going through this exercise um, that, you know, gosh, I, I knew I was afraid. I knew I was avoiding, but I, I, I didn't have a, a, a way to describe it or capture it. And then when I do it in a corporate context with some of my colleagues, I can see that I'm not alone in this. And that's that just that there is actually pretty powerful.
1: Of course, Andy, when we're faced with this many challenges or obstacles in making a behavioral change that has us moving outside our comfort zone, it's not surprising that the common reaction we all have to this, and you mentioned it just now, is to avoid taking the steps necessary to affect change. And again, through your work, you found that not only as humans are we very good at avoidance, but we're also pretty creative in finding distinct ways to put the brakes on any efforts on our part to step out of that safe, familiar comfort zone. So what are some of the ways people avoid making these changes, which again are the key to our ability to succeed, evolve, and grow? In other words, these changes, though seemingly hard or painful, are nonetheless good for us.
0: Yeah, we are really good at avoiding. <laughs> 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 I am. I definitely am. Uh, so, like, I, I mean, I I found a bunch of different ways that we avoided uh, that the people sort of consist sort of buckets of avoidance ways of doing it. One is simply not to do it at all. I remember early on in my career, I definitely did that. You know, this is like twenty years ago, I'd be asked by corporations to give speeches. This is when I was really young, and I I was terrified of doing it. I didn't know what to say. I'd feel totally inauthentic. I I felt very incompetent because I'd never given a speech to anyone really outside of an academic context and I would I would I would say no I don't think I can make that date you know looking at my calendar and of course my calendar is completely empty and I absolutely could have made that date but I was just like terrified to do it you know this is probably 20 years ago um, sometimes we do it but only part way like maybe deliver only part of the negative feedback you need to deliver um, sometimes we replace it whatever it is with an easier but but ultimately less effective alternative like you know instead of going to that network Working event and actually meeting potential new clients will send an email blast instead or, or a Facebook post or something, you know, which which isn't bad inherently, but it's not a it's not really a one to one perfect replacement for what you needed. And it ultimately is a avoidance strategy. Um, we procrastinate, of course. And, you know, instead of, you know, I, I think this is this is really I think in creative work you see this a lot. Um, people procrastinating, not wanting to put their early prototype of a of a blog or a book or a product or an idea out there to get fee- critical feedback because it feels so 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 personal in in a way, and, and that feedback just really hits so hard. Um, we pass the buck. That's another one. Have someone else do it when you probably should be the one doing it. And then the last one I would say that I found was. um you know, t- sort of rationalization in a way, telling yourself, you know, this re- really isn't that important that I do X, you know, it's, it, you know, it's it's not that important that I start doing public speaking, it's not that important that I, you know, start to participate in meetings or whatever it might be when the reality is, is yeah, yeah, you probably could could sculpt your life to avoid these things. But if you want to grow, if you want to develop, if you want to move to the next step in your career and your organization, you probably do need to confront these challenges. So that that's what I found around avoidance.
1: Now, it's worth noting uh, that the bigger problem with these different ways we avoid taking the leap to moving outside our comfort zone is not simply the loss of potential growth and success, but these measures we use to avoid making these behavioral changes can also create a negative feedback loop where our anxiety fuels our fear or stress, which causes us to want to avoid making this effort even more. And that increase in our desire to avoid this change only serves to increase, not decrease our stress from there. Then the cycle repeats, correct?
0: Exactly. It's yeah, it's a it's um you get you get I mean, the reason people avoid is for relief, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> short term yeah. relief. But ultimately it's a short it's a it's a bad bargain because if this is something that's recurring, it's only gonna be harder the next time. And that exactly that's the vicious cycle I talk about in the book.
1: So Andy, now that we've armed ourselves with these new insights about the realities of moving beyond our comfort zone, the various challenges we face, and the numerous ways we'll use to avoid making these changes. How should we be going about making that effort to move beyond our comfort zone? What should we be relying on to help us with this process so we can, in fact, see a bright spot in our future by taking on this initiative to change?
0: Yeah, so I, so, so I, that, of course, that was a question I wanted to know too. It was really, like, most, like the like, saddest book if I stop there. I mean, the, you know, it's, uh, I, I spoke with managers, executives, doctors, police officers, you know, actors, students, priests, rabbis, even a goat farmer, which is sort of a funny story. But I, I have lots and lots of examples of, of people and situations, and I really wanted to see what distinguished people. Um, who were successful or or when individual people were successful compared to when they weren't. And it, it essentially boiled down to three key things that I found, three key strategies, tactics that I call them. The first um, or resources. The first is conviction, um, it, which is a deep sense of purpose. Um, it's almost like an antidote to avoidance. It doesn't erase your discomfort, but it gives you that motivation and drive to 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 take action despite the discomfort. So 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 I I'd have to say that 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 you know, and I, I continue to work with these ideas and I continue to work with people. And I, what I find over and over again is that conviction, that source of conviction boils down to one or one of two things. It's either well, it could be both either professional, personal or both. And so a professional source of conviction might be, you know, like, like, I'm, I'm terrified of being assertive and standing up for my needs, or I'm really uncomfortable saying anything in a small group setting that could be potentially conflictual, whatever it might, whatever your situation might be. But I know that I need to start learning to do this to become a manager, and I really want to become a manager or a leader or an owner or a thought leader, whatever it is. You know, whatever your goal is, um, that 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 sort of owning that, embracing it, and actually thinking about it um, is really powerful. That's that's professional, but personal is really powerful too. And I have to tell you that for me personally, that's where I often get my greatest sources of conviction is is personal um you know I'm a, I'm a parent i've got two two children an eleven and a thirteen year old and i'm i'm always trying to coax them outside their comfort zone in a you know in a reasonable way um relative to their level of where they are and in in in, you know and i've written a book about this i feel like i want to be like a good role model and you know when i start to notice myself slipping back into my comfort zone when i really know that i should step outside of it i think about my kids and the role that i am as a parent and what i want to be able to model for my children and that is a super powerful source of conviction for me so you know not everyone's a parent not everyone. Derives their conviction from being a parent. But wherever your conviction comes from, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's both, find it, embrace it, and use it. And so that's the first tactic.
1: Okay. So, Andy, in your book, this critical resource you call conviction, so we can focus on that for a bit, you mentioned how, or you write that it can come from either a desire to improve our lives or a desire to help others improve theirs, or even from a sense of belief in the underlying purpose of what we're trying to achieve. But I was wondering if you could elaborate on how identifying that desire to improve our lives or the lives of others can help us to be more effective in moving outside our comfort zones. How can we, how can we make this be that catalyst, that spark that compels us to step over that line marking the boundaries of our comfort zone?
0: Well, I think that, you know, and it is very personal. Like for some people, as you mentioned, um, it's 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 your desire to help others. Um, for others, it's 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 the fact that something's your calling. I, I have a story in the book about a priest who who early on in her career, she's an Episcopal priest. She was she was very nervous and uncomfortable um, stepping into a situation where she had to deliver last rites to a family. Um, wondering, like, who who is she? To be able to do this in this moment with this family, who who is she, um, and, and, and her sense of calling to be a priest really carried her through, and that's what I think it is. It's something that carries you through. It's a, it's a it's it's purely it's it's pure motivation. You know, um, people in my field in organizational behavior often talk about how there are two sources. Two factors that typically result in behavior: one's motivation and one's ability. So you need to have the motivation, and you need to have the skills and ability and know-how, um, and maybe strategy. And so I think this conviction really hits on the motivation side. Um, you know, you have a competing motivation, which is to protect yourself. Right? You're afraid. You want to protect yourself. You want to flee. And this is this is sort of a, a almost like an antidote motivate source of motivation, I, I, kind of like against that in a way. And so that's that's what I see this as.
1: So let's shift to the next critical resource you write in your book, Andy, that we need to effectively make these behavioral shifts. And that is what you call customization. Essentially, find that path or process to take that makes the most sense to you. And I think this is the one that, while it makes a lot of sense, I think we more often than not overlook it because of our tendency to look at successful leaders or people and then try to find what route they took so we could take the same path believing that this will ensure that we also achieve a similar successful outcome.
0: Yeah, that's actually really interesting. No one's mentioned that before, but I think you're totally right. It's almost like um, it, it's it's a fallacy of learning from others' experiences because by definition, it's what they've found works for them, but if you then apply it to yourself, it doesn't necessarily work for you. It's sort of like when companies um, uh, benchmark, right? right? And they benchmark, but then it doesn't work for them. Yeah. <laughs> it, like the individual equivalent, so what I find with customization the the analogy I like to use is like a like a a tailor, like you know you buy a pair of pants or a or a dress or whatever it might be, and you know for a very few of us at least speaking personally, I don't just buy a pair of pants and it fits right off the rack. I always have to have them shortened or loosened or whatever it might be. And I think that's true of a lot of us. We get, we ha- we have our pants or our clothes tweaked, personalized just a little bit. It, it's not changing the essence of the pants. This is obviously a metaphor. <laughs> uh, an anal- I'm sorry, an analogy. It's not changing the, the essence of the pants, but it's customizing and personalizing it so it fits just a little bit better, and that's essentially what you can do when stepping outside your comfort zone. You can There, there are many ways, and I talk about them in the book, um, that you can sculpt your experience of the situation and the situation itself so that it feels just a little bit easier, just a little bit more doable, just a little bit more authentic, and, and as I say all along, this is all about nudging you, this is not about massive transformation. You want to be able to nudge yourself outside your comfort zone. And that's what customization does. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. These actually aren't in the book. These are like, I love to give these examples of like, these are, these are people who read the book, love the book, wrote me emails about the book, and then sort of shared some of their strategies. So i have one, one, which is really cool is a a, a a woman who was very uncomfortable making small talk with people she didn't know she'd go into parties and be the wallflower in the corner and not say anything and and, and she she didn't want to be that she wanted she, she wanted to be more social she wanted to build connections and she had this epiphany and she happened to like photography she had this epiphany that if she brought a selfie stick to parties it, it might help her And so she did, and it was a tremendous help. And that's an example of what I call a prop that people can bring. And what happened was it totally catalyzed her conversations. People would come over, ask what it was. It was a great sort of conversation starter. She would be able to demonstrate how it worked it started to loosen her up make her feel more at ease more natural it actually made you know it it had it created an exchange situation where she would ask for or people would ask if she could send them uh pictures by text or email so then she had a way of contacting them in the future it was a fantastic tool for her to catalyze her experience and help her step outside her comfort zone that's that's like a subtle Little example of customization, but there are many ways you do it through body language, through your actual scripting of the situation, the words you use, the props, the context, the timing, all sorts of things. The bottom line is that there's no one size fits all version of any situation outside your comfort zone and you can customize to make it a little bit more um, doable and authentic for you.
1: And Andy, you mentioned that one of the customization tools we can use is the tool of customizing the timing. And I particularly like this one because when we think of moving outside our comfort zone, one of the biggest challenges we have is overcoming that feeling of a loss of control. That because we don't know what it's like out there, we are at the mercy of unknown conditions or factors but knowing we have some measure of control over when we do this i think is very empowering because we always have the power and choice of what words we use and there's certainly ample information out there about how we can use how we can improve our body language as well as reading the body language of others but this idea of being intentional of when we're going to make this effort gives us back that sense of being in control over those external factors and I think that really helps with the process of moving outside our comfort zone.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, j- just to sort of flesh that out, too, um, I've spoken with um, people who are introverted, uh, uncomfortable and awkward in networking events, and they've played with timing in terms of trying to increase the odds of feeling more comfortable. And they, they've done it in two ways. One way is to choose a time of day that where they feel at their best. And another uh, in other words, choosing networking events, either that are breakfast or or nighttime cocktail dinner or whatever. And then the second one is to go early, like literally at the event, go early, because if you are uncomfortable and intimidated at a big, noisy networking event, and I believe me, I am and have been, you know, you walk in and there's just this buzz and every you sort of feel like you've you've showed up at the at a party way too late. Um if you go at the beginning, it's always less noisy. It's always less intimidating. It's always less crowded and so on. So that's a way of customizing both the timing uh, uh, of the, of the, you know, during the day and also of the event itself. So just to flesh that out. And I I absolutely agree.
1: So this leads us Eddie, to the last critical resource you write about in your book, and that is of gaining a sense of clarity about what we're doing and especially about the challenges we'll face. Now, I'm sure for those considering making a leap, this might seem odd that having a sense of clarity is vital since you'd assume that the very reason you're making this move is because you have a clear idea of what the target or the goal of these efforts is. But as you write in your book, the importance of clarity in this process is how it helps us overcome those moments where our thoughts and perceptions about ourselves and about the situation become distorted. So Andy could you elaborate on what this distorted thinking is and how do we gain clarity when we're not necessarily aware of what's really going on
0: Yeah clarity is 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 about sort of like um the fear and the emotion taking hold and sort of wrestling away your perspective from the rational side of you. So if you're worried about, let's say, public speaking might be your situation you're talking about, and that's outside your comfort zone, um, you might start to fear and fixate on the worst case scenario, as I know I do sometimes, like I'm going to be an utter failure. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to faint on stage or whatever it might be. And that's or by the way, you might your emotions might bring you to the opposite extreme to sort of like the unrealistic best case scenario and you might fixate on that that i'm I'm not going to do this unless i'm like the bed best ted talker ever and i get millions of hits on my videos and so you're sort of lost you're you you lose perspective um in in in, in the way that your emotions drive you to these extremes and what clarity is is it's It's almost like claiming that middle ground. I always, every time I think of clarity for some reason in my mind, I guess I'm, I'm very visual. I think of like a a ship at sea and an anchor, um, going down to the ground and anchoring that ship and the waves and the storm are your emotions, but the anchor keeps you grounded. And so I feel that that's, that's what it is. And so I literally use this exercise, um, with people that I'm, that I'm teaching, that I'm coaching, that I'm training. I, I have them write down what their worst case scenario is, absolute worst case, and then put a likelihood on it, zero to 100. I then have them write down their absolute best dream scenario, perfect dream scenario, and put a likelihood on it. And then I ask them to write down what's their most, you know, realistic probable scenario and put a put a put a probability on that. And in the very act of writing that down, I think starts to help them because it 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 it, it names the fact that there are extremes and then there's a middle ground. It helps them start to think about what the probabilities really are. And then I think it's it's sort of a bit of a a grounding exercise to literally write it down so that's that's kind of what i mean by clarity and i found that people who are most successful at stepping outside their comfort zone are able to start to have start to feel and appreciate the importance of clarity
1: now andy we've certainly covered a lot of ground in helping our listeners to better understand what it means to move beyond our comfort zone and how we can actually achieve this in an effective manner but i think this leaves us with one critical piece of the puzzle and that is When we're in the thick of it and we're seeing ourselves making those behavioral changes that allow us to gain new successes and new opportunities for growth, how do we make sure these efforts will stick? In other words, how do we make sure we don't lose traction where we start sliding back to the old and familiar ways, especially as we're expanding these efforts and start perhaps losing that novelty feel in the process?
0: Yeah, I always think of like a Teflon pan where the I don't know if they even use Teflon anymore, <laughs> but <like> it just <laughs> slides right off. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's I think it's important to be really intentional about it. Um, you know, learning to step outside your comfort zone is really learning to do anything that is hard and difficult for you. If you were to, um, if you're a couch potato and you love to watch TV and you're not athletic at all and you wanted to go off and run a 10k race. Um, you wouldn't just pop off the couch or at least I know very few people who would pop off the couch and go run that 10K. You'd figure out a training regimen, right? It's like like your confidence is, is almost like a muscle that you're building and your capability and confidence. In the same way, you want to start to You know, practice and create a practice routine for yourself in situations that provide what I call sort of like a just right challenge. Like you want to try to create some stretch challenges for yourself, but aren't like you've got the comfort zone, you've got the stretch zone, and then you've got the terror zone. I wouldn't start with situations in your terror zone. (laughs) No. <laughs> Probably more like your stretch zone. Um, and th- I think that's really important. Um, you also want to sort of appreciate and acknowledge those, those, those small wins that, that you do experience. You want to, um, but you want to practice in settings that, that, that are, that are going to give you a realistic preview of what you ultimately experience. So that's true of the running analogy too. Like you're not going to, you want to make sure that you're actually running, even if it's a small amount and even if it's just a chunk for a day or whatever it might be, and then do a little bit more the next time. It's the same analogy here too. I think that's what's going to, those sorts of things are going to help you um help you really make this stick. Um, also try to figure out ways to avoid avoidance. I think that's really important, um, you know, to try to notice uh, avoidance, uh, figure out ways to to sort of counteract that. I think oftentimes um, uh, having a mentor, having a college, colleague, having a coach, having someone that you can feel accountable to and also who appreciates what what, what you're going through. Um, there are many other things that you can apply to this, but I think the, the bottom line is that, is, that, um, is that it's an intentional process um, that, that, by the way, you have control over. And, you know, Andy, I have to
1: tell you that I loved reading your book about the power of small wins, and in particular, the work of Dr. Teresa Mobile and Dr. Stephen Kramer on this topic, as they were the second guests I had on my leadership podcast. So it's fun to see those insights and ideas appearing in the book of another guest of mine here on, on the show.
0: Well, cool. So I know uh, Teresa Mable, we were, were co- we were colleagues. Um, so I'm at Brandeis University. She, earlier in her career, was a professor at Brandeis University before going to Harvard Business School. And we were part of the same research group for, for several years. So, so that's another connection there.
1: That's a small world, definitely. So Andy, to help wrap things up here, I have one last question for you. And that is, what would be your one piece of advice for any listener out there who's now feeling empowered to go ahead and start putting into practice efforts to help them move outside their comfort zone what advice would you have for them
0: My advice I think would be what we were talking about just a minute ago um that 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 this that that you want to set yourself up for success and you want to do it in an intentional way. So that goes to, that, 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 that goes to from everything to really pay heed to the three tools that I talked about, figure out your version of those tools, find a situation to practice in. That's going to be a just right situation for you. Something that's a stretch type of situation, but not in your terror zone. Really um, uh, appreciate your small wins. Um, have a support system like, like, Really take some time to plan it out, and to realize that this is something that is absolutely doable. But it's also, and, and it's something that you have control over. But it's, but it's something that you really should pay attention to in terms of the planning stage uh, of, of trying to step outside your comfort zone. Treat it just like that that couch to ten k that you would do, right? You know, come up with a plan, and, and you're going to be you're going to be surprised at the results that you have.
1: Great stuff. Andy, it was truly a pleasure to have you on my show. I'm sure many of our listeners have gained so much from hearing about your work and your insights on how we can move outside our comfort zones and truly live the life we were meant to live. And I'm sure many will be picking up your book to help them get started with this process. So thanks for coming on the show to help us with uh, learning more about how we can successfully step outside our comfort zone, Andy.
0: Great! I, I really enjoyed it, and I love uh, connecting with people. So, if you don't mind, I'd love to just offer my my uh, website as a great uh, tool to continue the conversation, um, which is www.andymolinsky.com. A uh, N D Y M O L I N S K Y. You know, I'm pretty active on social media. I have my email address on there, so I'd love to I'd love to hear from folks.
1: There you have it. So, thanks again, Andy. It was great to have you on the show.
0: Oh, thanks for thanks for having me.
1: I've been talking with Andy Malinsky about his latest book, Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. To learn more about Andy and his work, visit the webpage for this episode at TanvirNasir.com. And that concludes this episode of Leadership Biz Café. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what we discussed in this episode as well as what topics you'd like to hear in future episodes of this show. You could do this by leaving a comment on this episode's webpage, or by filling out the contact form at TanvirNasir.com. And if you found my show on Google Play, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio, I'd appreciate it if you could take a moment and please rate my show. Until next time, this is Tamir Nasir. Thanks everyone for listening.